The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about Samsung possibly making a Wear OS smartwatch. We'll also be talking about Donald Trump indirectly causing cartoon cancellations. Then after that, we'll get into my Google Stadia wish list for 2021. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, so first up today, let's start by talking about Samsung possibly making a Wear OS smartwatch. Yep, you heard that right. Based on some source code that XDA developers had found, there's possible evidence that Samsung could be making a Wear OS smartwatch named Merlot. Um, And for those of you who don't know what Wear OS is, it is formerly known as Android Wear, um, which is Google's own software um, or operating system that runs on smartwatches. So if this is true, then it could mean that um, it'll be the first smartwatch from Samsung in years that doesn't run on Samsung's own Tizen OS. So that'll be a pretty huge thing for Samsung, um, or it could be, if this smartwatch ends up being real. And I apologize for the sirens in the background. All right, cool. Anyway, so yeah, it could be a good, or it could be a good thing that Samsung may be, um, maybe switching over to Wear OS. But another thing that, or another first for the company is that it could also be the first Wear OS smartwatch that runs on a Samsung Exynos processor rather than a Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, which most Wear OS smartwatches run on. But the thing is, there's another piece of, or there's another piece of tech news that um, has, or that last year, I had reported on on this podcast, and if you remember, it was the fact that Google is working with Samsung to make its own processors for Pixel phones and Pixel books. And then also, Google's acquisition of Fitbit had closed in January. So what do these two um, pieces of news have to do with smartwatches. Well, Fitbit makes smartwatches, um, but also if there's a Wear OS smartwatch that could possibly be running on a Samsung Exynos processor and Google is working with Samsung, which makes those Exynos processors, to make its own processors for Pixel phones and Pixel books, then this Samsung 
Wear OS smartwatch could potentially be the precursor to an upcoming made by Google smartwatch, which could potentially be called the Pixel Watch, um, which is something that I've wanted for so long. I've wanted a Halo device for Wear OS so that Google can show all of these other companies how to properly make a Wear OS smartwatch and what that experience is supposed to look like. So I'm so I'm pretty or I would love for this to be the case. I would love for Samsung to make a Wear OS smartwatch and for it to be the precursor to what could potentially end up being a Pixel Watch. But this is all based on uh, rumors and speculation and nothing official has been announced of yet. So this could all just be for nothing. We don't know. Um, but um, let me know what you think of this news. Do you think that there could possibly be a Pixel Watch on the way that runs on a Samsung Exynos processor? Do you think that with, um, or do you think that Samsung making its own Wear OS smartwatch is a good idea? Or do you think they should just stick with what they know, which is teasing, which has been running for years? Or do you think that Google should maybe partner with someone else on wearable chips? I mean, especially now that it owns Fitbit. Uh, do let me know on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. But that is going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into Donald Trump indirectly causing cartoon cancellations. Then after that, we'll get into my Google Stadia wish list for 2021. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, if I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, that's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, and then last but not least, 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. This episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o and be sure to add the Cells and Circuits podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application, which really helps out the show. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Did you know that we now have a merch store? It's true. In partnership with Bonfire, we've launched the Cells and Circuits shop where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. So hit the link in the show notes to visit the Cells and Circuits shop and start getting your merch today. It really does help out the show. Thanks for your support, and now, back to the show. Alright, so next up, let's talk about Donald Trump indirectly causing cartoon cancellations. And so, what do I mean by this? Well, let's take a look at OKKO Let's Be Heroes. So, OKKO Let's Be Heroes is a cartoon that premiered on Cartoon Network in 2017 and ran for three seasons until 2019 when it got canceled. So, in a recent interview, the creator of OKKO, Ian Jones Cordy, revealed that Donald Trump may have indirectly caused the show's cancellation in a pretty big way. And so, how does the cancellation of or what does the cancellation of OKKO have to do with Donald Trump? Well, um, I will definitely explain that. But before, but before we get into that, I just wanted to get um, some things out of the way. Um, so, in that interview, he had mentioned that OKKO was supposed to get increased funding from the AT&T acquisition of Time Warner. And HBO Max, the streaming service that AT&T built after acquiring Time Warner, which they eventually did, um, that was supposed to have launched way earlier than its actual May 2020 launch date. Um, And then because that merger or because that acquisition was delayed, funding was limited, causing a lot of shows throughout the Time Warner landscape, including OKKO, to be canceled. So really, OKKO got canceled because HBO Max didn't really exist yet during the time that OKKO 
was running on Cartoon Network. So that's unfortunate. But what does all of this have to do with the 45th president? Well, let me explain. Um, so in order for me to explain that, we have to rewind the clock back to October 2016, in which AT&T announced its intent to acquire Time Warner. But Time Warner owns a lot of companies, including Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Boomerang, TBS, TNT, True TV, HLN, and of course, CNN. And CNN in particular was one of the reasons why er, Donald Trump expressed intent to block the acquisition of Time Warner by AT&T. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous because Donald Trump's beef was with CNN because he saw CNN as an enemy because they were always saying negative things about him. So, and Donald Trump has made no secret of this. Like, he's publicly expressed numerous times um, his, in, or his distaste for CNN. And so, I mean, it's... And before any Trump fans get get defensive of him saying, oh, he's, or he was trying to fight a monopoly or whatever. Um, let me just say that Donald Trump, he, or, or he publicly, or because of his public distaste for CNN, he openly admitted that he wanted that merger blocked, or he wanted to attempt to block it. Um, not because it was going to be a monopoly, um, but because, simply because Time Warner owns CNN. Um, so, like, so while you may think that or so for the Trump fans who may or may not be listening to this podcast, um, I mean, I, or one, I'm not a fan of the orange man. So like, let me just get that out of the way. But second, like, let's, let's not kid ourselves in thinking that he was fighting for the little guy. Like, let's, let's just not. Um, like you'd pretty much be looking delusional at that point. But anyway, um, I should also mention that the U.S. Department of Justice also attempted to block the acquisition, but ultimately failed. Um, and so both Trump and the Justice Department's attempts to block the acquisition um, caused the buyout to be delayed for almost 20 months, putting the entirety of Time Warner in limbo. 
So not just Cartoon Network and CNN, but other companies within Time Warner, including, you know, TBS, TNT, True TV, HBO, um, and and so many others. Um, the entirety of Time Warner was put into limbo because of the delays um, that that acquisition was facing from both Trump and the Justice Department. So in June 2018, AT&T finally completed its acquisition of Time Warner and renamed the company to what we know now as Warner Media, despite opposition from Trump and the U.S. Department of Justice. And so with and so with all of that, um, so with the acquisition being delayed for about 20 months um, and um, with HBO Max not existing yet because AT&T didn't own Time Warner um, just yet. Um, there were no chances for HBO Max, or there were no chances for OKKO to find its audience on a streaming platform. And so maybe OKKO was, you know, or launched too early. Maybe if it had launched in probably 2018 or 2019, it would probably still be around. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy that um, the actions of the 45th president, Donald Trump, had, had indirectly caused um, one of the or one of my favorite cartoons of the 2010s to be canceled. And that's that's very unfortunate. Um, I wish it didn't have to be this way, but. It is what it is. Um, so let me know what you think about this whole situation. Do you think that um, OKKO was ahead of its time? Do you think that um, do you think that maybe uh, Donald Trump and and the Justice Department's attempts to block the AT&T Time Warner acquisition had actually had an effect on OKKO's cancellation. Um, do you think that maybe it had an effect on other shows like, you know, possibly Infinity Train or Trick Moon or other uh, Cartoon Network shows that were possibly in development at that time? Do let me know on social media or on Discord. I will have links in the show notes for you to do that. But yeah, that's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into my Google Stadia wish list for 2021. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Are you a small business looking for a financial platform to do business on? Check out Payment, the 
first black-owned financial platform where you can do things like sending invoices, accepting payments, and more features will be added in the future. If you watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix, you know that money stays within the black community for an average of six hours compared to the days and sometimes weeks that other communities get. So if you want to bring or keep money in the black community, join payment, that's P-E-Y-M-Y-N-T, at the affiliate link in the show notes today. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Want to support the show without having to buy any merch? Well, you can do that by buying us a coffee. All it takes is just one U.S. dollar to help support the show. So click the link in the show notes or go to ko-fi.com slash cells and circuits to help make the Cells and Circuits podcast a better show for you. Alright, so last up, we'll talk about my Google Stadia wish list for 2021. So, despite the rocky month that February was for Google Stadia, especially with the closure of Stadia's first-party studios, Stadia Games and Entertainment, um, it was just... um, a downturn from there in terms of right or in terms of news about the platform and um, with all the misinformation going on, especially from gaming media, it just it was a shit show um, in February to say the least. But um, March they kind of are starting to turn things around, um, especially within the past couple of weeks. Uh, the past couple of weeks have been pretty solid for Google Stadia. Um, of course, we had the launch of FIFA 21 last week. We had Dragon Quest 11s Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Can that name get any fucking longer? Um, that shadow dropped on Google Stadia last week. We had the launch of Terraria. Um, on the platform last week, even though that came after some controversy last month, which I've also talked about on this show. So if you've missed that, um, please go and listen to that episode. Um, but also, um, this week we've had some pretty big news coming. Um, we had first that... Resident Evil Biohazard will be dropping straight into Stadia Pro on April 1st. So, for those of you who don't know, Stadia Pro is a membership that lets you get some games included for no extra cost, um, but also allows you to play at 4K 60, or 4K 60 frames per second, um, or it play it allows you to play up to that resolution and that frame rate, um, as opposed to the free tier of Stadia, because yes, there is a free tier. Stadia is free. Um, 
the free tier allows you to play at up to 1080p at 60 frames per second. Um, but anyway, it'll launch straight onto Stadia Pro, meaning no additional fee is required um, to have that game in your library on April 1st, which is not an April Fool's joke. <laughs> um, but in other Resident Evil news, we have that Resident Evil 8, which is Village, or Resident Evil Village, will be launching May 7th, the same day as it does on other platforms, with a pre-order bonus of a Stadia Premiere Edition. And what's a Stadia Premiere Edition, you ask? Is a Stadia Controller and the Chromecast Ultra. So you're basically getting $160 worth of material for only $60. Because remember, the Stadia Premiere Edition is 100 bucks. So if they're giving that to you for free and all you have to do is just buy the game, like you're basically getting $160 worth of material for 60 bucks. Like that's a pretty damn good deal. Um, which is the same deal that they made with Cyberpunk 2077 back in December. Um, and if you and if you want to take advantage of that deal, you can go ahead and pre-order it on Stadia right now. Um, I will have links for you to do that in the show notes, um, along with a um, along with a link to. Um, or for you to get Stadia Pro free for two months so you can access Resident Evil Biohazard right when it launches onto Stadia Pro on April 1st. Um, so, yeah, links in the show notes. Anyway, um, and then also you have uh, certain games from the Ease and Trails of Cold Steel series come to Stadia. So both of those JRPG series are coming to Stadia, and that's pretty good for the platform as um, it's not even on every single major platform, <laughs> Xbox. <coughs> um, but that's always good to see JRPGs coming to Western platforms and I do want more JRPGs on Western platforms. So, um, these past couple of weeks have been pretty damn good for Stadia. And, um, you know, they wouldn't be making this much of an effort if Stadia was dead as, um, as the gaming media would like to, or would like you to believe, but. That's beside the point. Anyway, um, so these past few weeks have been awesome for Google Stadia, but what would I like to see on the platform here um, in 2021? Well, um, let's start with the features that I would like to see. So shout out to uh, Reddit user Commander underscore Orange Red because um, he had... Um, he or she or they um, had listed uh, some features that 
they would want to see on Stadia. And I agreed with some of them. Um, so for me, um, I would like to see, of course, an Android TV app. Um, I have two Chromecasts with Google TV, um, one in my bedroom and one in my living room that I unfortunately had to break out early. Um, but I was waiting on the Stadia support to come. But um, but let's just say my girlfriend had other plans. Uh, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Um, but anyway, uh, let's go on to the search bar. Um, you know, I would really love to have a search bar on Stadia. It's kind of... It's kind of weird that we don't have one yet. Um, not that Google would know anything about search bars or anything, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, Android TV app and a game or, or a search bar, um, those are probably the two biggest features that um, I would really um, love to see on Stadia. Um, another thing is uh, game gifting. Um, I do think that this is probably one of the features keeping games like It Takes Two from coming to the platform, um, which if you haven't played that game um, with a friend or uh, or, well, yeah, if you haven't played that game yet, it's an awesome game. Um, so definitely play that game. But anyway, uh, game gifting um, is definitely something that should come to Stadia. Um, I believe it's on pretty much every other gaming platform. So um, I would love to see that implemented in Stadia. Um, and then next thing is a different UI specifically for... Uh, mobile phones and TVs. Um, I would like to see, um, you know, especially on mobile, um, just um, something other than, you know, having to swipe over like a hundred times to find a game that you haven't played in a long time that you wanted to get back to. Or, um, just having your most recently played game not take up like the whole screen. Um, so things like that. Um, and then also, uh, same with the TV. I don't want to have to, you know, click the or press the right button on my uh, D pad on the Stadia controller to have to um, go and. Um, select a game that I want to play that I haven't played in a long time. So, yeah, the UI could definitely use some work, um, especially on the mobile and the TV side. I like the strides that they've made with the PC side of things, and I do hope that they continue in that direction. Um, but, yeah, I... I do think the UI definitely needs some changes. Um, and then next up is a playlist feature, um, 
which is a feature that a competing service, Amazon Luna, has um, that I would like to see Stadia copy. Um, so, um, yeah. And it'll definitely help me uh, keep track of my backlog, um, my ever-growing backlog of games. But, yeah, that's something I definitely want to see on Stadia. And then last but not least, uh, rating games. Um, I do think that users should be able to rate games just like they are able to rate apps on Google Play or um, books or movies or anything. Um, I genuinely believe that uh, games should be no different. I mean, every other platform uh, lets you rate games, so it would be nice to uh, see that implemented in Stadia as well. Um, so those are my, or those are the features that I wanted to see. Um, on Stadia, but let's get into the region expansions. Um, so I do want Stadia to expand into other regions. I mean, I think North America and Europe are fine, but, um, you know, um, they're definitely going to want to be in more places if they want to succeed. So uh, I would like to see an expansion into Asia, especially, um, particularly um, in Japan, South Korea, and India. Um, Japan, um, or Japan is home to very many uh, developers for video games. And then as far as South Korea goes, um, you know, their internet speeds are pretty high over there. I think they're probably one of the highest in the world. So I think Stadia would do very good there. Um, and then as far as India, India has been a very vocal, um, or the Indian fan base for Stadia has been very vocal and they want it to come uh, to that country. So um, I do hope that it does very soon. Um, and then you also have regions of the world like Latin America and uh, particularly Brazil, which just like India is also a pretty vocal community um, of people who want Stadia in that country. Um, and then, I mean, but of course other places in Latin America matter too and other places in Asia matter too. And I do hope that um, Stadia expands to as many places as possible, um, including um, one region of the world that's near and dear to my heart, um, which is Africa. Um, so Africa, uh, I would definitely love for Stadia to release in Africa simply because um, most people most people over there, um, they, um, they don't have computers or game consoles. So their primary computing device, um, is a smartphone and, um, with, and with, um, with everything, um, you know, just being more phone centric, including gaming, 
Um, it would be nice um, if a cloud gaming service like Stadia came to came to Africa. Um, and I mean, it would just be it would just be um, a lot better, um, you know, to have cloud gaming embraced um, so heavily. Um, and who knows, maybe expanding into Africa may, um, may um, spark an interest for African developers to make games for Stadia. That would be awesome. Um, but we'll see. Um, and then also um, Australia. Um, I would like um, to see Stadia expand into Australia. I know that Google was having quite a few troubles with the Australian government, um, some that may um, have otherwise caused Google to leave Australia entirely. So I do want to see Australia get access to Stadia. I think that would be um, pretty cool for them. Um, but yeah. And last but not least, um, the games, which is any services, bread and butter. Um, so I'm going to narrow this down into two categories, games that I think would bring people to the platform and then also games that I personally want on the platform. So let's go into games that I think would bring people into the platform. So first up is Fortnite, which I mean, like, while I don't personally want the game on the platform, um, I think it would bring people to the platform. Um, and also, you know, I. I don't like the CEO of the company that owns uh, Fortnite, which is Epic Games. Um, I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't like Tim Sweeney, I'm sorry. Um, not really, but um, up next um, is Rocket League, which, um, is developed by Psyonix, um, which also got bought out by Epic Games. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to see that come to Stadia, even though it's probably unlikely um, at the moment, um, simply because of Epic Games' ongoing feud with Google um, in regards to Play Store uh, fees um, for developers, um, which is specifically harming Epic Game, or which is specifically targeted. Well, I shouldn't say it's specifically targeted towards um, certain developers. It's every uh, big name developer um, that is or that is on Google Play um, has to pay a thirty percent um fee um on on whatever profits that they get from the apps that they um publish on Google Play um which is the same as Apple 
um, in their app store. So um, Epic is also in a feud with them too. Uh, so yeah, um, I wouldn't expect any games that are owned by Epic Games to show up on Google Stadia anytime soon. I would, of course, love to be wrong, but given that the ongoing feud with Epic um, and the App Store fees um, is going on um, with both Apple and Google, I just don't see that happening. Um, but we'll see if they ever get that resolved, I guess. I don't know. Um, up next is Apex Legends. Um, I think Apex would definitely bring people to the platform. I mean, it just launched on Switch not too long ago. So, um, if it can run on the Switch, it can definitely run on Stadia. Um, so highly, or, or so I'm hoping that, uh, EA is, um, is listening and just, you know, just ports, Apex Legends to Stadia. I hope that happens. Um, just so it can bring new people to the platform. Um, up next is the Call of Duty franchise. I mean, it's the best-selling franchise in video games. So, I mean, bringing it to Stadia would kind of legitimize it as a bona fide um, gaming platform. So, um, especially with Warzone um, and Warzone's ballooning file size to the point where it can't even run on certain consoles anymore. Um, uh, and then also Call of Duty Warzone has had problems with cheating. Um, but if they ported or if Activision ported that game to Google Stadia, it would basically solve both problems at once because then users don't have to worry about storage. And then also you can't cheat on a cloud gaming platform. It's win-win. So um, I don't know. Um, I do hope that Call of Duty does make its way to Stadia, but um, that'll be between Google and Activision. Um, so up next um, is Minecraft. Um, I do think that Minecraft would bring some people to the platform. Um, and um, I guess we should all be looking at um, what Microsoft does with Mojang um, in this regard, because if they do... Um, if they do make a uh, PlayStation 5 version, but um, a Stadia version isn't developed alongside it, that would be a red flag right there. Um, and that would kind of be an anti-consumer move from Microsoft, in my opinion. But that's just me. Um, but I do hope that Minecraft makes its way to Stadia. Um because I do think it would bring some people to the platform. And then next up is Roblox, um, which just, or the company had just gone public not too long ago, and it's worth 
billions of dollars. So, um, so many people are already playing Roblox right now. Um, like, it's ridiculous. Even my youngest brother plays Roblox. So, um, I'm sure he'd probably be happy to um, play it on Stadia. Um, and I believe, as far as consoles go, it's on Xbox. It's not on PlayStation yet, um, but it'll probably come there at some point. Um, but yeah, um, I do think Roblox should come to the platform. And then finally, um, which um, is a game that launched recently, which is Valheim. Um, I do think that Valheim um, should come to the platform to bring people in. Um, I believe that a Linux version already exists on Steam, if I'm not mistaken. So um, it wouldn't take all of that much to port it over to Google Stadia. So um, so I'm hoping that it does get ported over, but we will see. Um, and so... Um, yeah, that does it for the games that I think would bring people into the platform. Now let's get into the games that I personally want on the platform. And since there's a lot of them, I'm going to try and move quickly here. Um, there's uh, Knockout City, which is a dodge brawl game or a dodgeball game um, that looks awesome and... I would just love to play that on Stadia. Um, and then there's It Takes Two, which just launched yesterday at the time of this recording. Um, I would absolutely love to play It Takes Two on Stadia um, with my girlfriend. We're currently playing it on the Xbox Series X right now. Um, and we've both been enjoying ourselves. It is an absolutely incredible co-op experience. Um, and then I would also like Biomutant to come to Stadia, um, which THQ Nordic has been a supporter of Stadia. They've brought a lot of, or they've brought some of their games to Stadia, including uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants game, uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Um, they also brought. Um, destroy all humans to Stadia. So there have been some, um, there have been some, uh, THQ Nordic games on Stadia. So I hope that Biomutant eventually comes to the platform, but we'll see. Um, and then of course the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, I don't need to explain Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm sure you already know who he is. One of the most influential characters in gaming. Um, and one of the most influential franchises in gaming. So I do hope it comes to the platform. Um, and then also Crash Bandicoot. I hope that franchise, including CTR, so including Crash Team Racing, I hope that comes to Stadia as well. Um... And then you have Spyro. Um, I hope that franchise, with the exception of the Skylanders crap, I, I don't want the Skylanders stuff anywhere near Stadia. Um, but uh, just bring the Spyro franchise, including the Reignited trilogy, 
on the Stadia. I would like that. Um, I would also like to see Dragon Ball Fighters and Dragon Ball Z Kakarot on Stadia. Um, both of those games I enjoy playing. Um, so yeah, I, I do want them on there. Uh, and then also I would like the Tekken franchise and the Street Fighter franchise on Stadia, both awesome fighting franchises that I would absolutely love to play on Stadia. Um, and then next up is Cuphead, um, which is released on pretty much every other platform um, to date, including PlayStation. Because remember, at some point, or at one point, it was a Microsoft exclusive. So it was um, only on Xbox and PC at one point. But now it's on the Switch. Now it's on PlayStation. Um, and I believe for cloud gaming, you can play it on GeForce Now, um, as well as Xbox Game Pass. So um, really the only platform that Cuphead is not on is Stadia. And I would love to see that be rectified. Um, so next up, um, I would like to see uh, the Super Giant Games titles like Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades on Stadia. Um, I love playing Bastion. Um, I haven't finished Transistor yet, and I haven't finished Hades yet, um, but I still like playing them. Um, let's see, what else? Um, there are the Adult Swim Games titles. Particularly, I would like to see Samurai Jack Battle Through Time on Stadia. Um, that would be awesome, um, especially for me, who's a fan of uh, Samurai Jack and who's a fan of Adult Swim and Cartoon Network and Toonami and all those things. I would love to see, uh, or I would love to see Adult Swim games titles on Stadia. And then um, I wrote this list a long time ago, um, but. Next up is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, which um, if you remember earlier when I said um, that Epic Games titles um, that I doubt would come to Stadia. Um, well, I mean, the developer of Fall Guys, a.k.a. Mediatonic, um, just recently got acquired by Epic Games earlier this month. So, um, that unfortunately is unlikely to happen anytime soon, but of course I would love to be wrong. Um, but yeah, it is unfortunate that, um, that Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout may not come to Stadia anytime soon, simply because Epic Games owns the developer behind it. Sucks, <laughs> but oh well. Um, and then next up, we have Super Lucky's Tale. Um, I would love to see a new Super Lucky's Tale on Stadia. Um, it got or the original Super Lucky's Tale was a console exclusive to Xbox, um, but now that they released new Super Lucky's Tale, um, it's available 
on the Switch and the PlayStation um, as well. So um, there's no reason why it can't come to Stadia. Um, so I would love to see that on Stadia. Um, we're definitely light on 3D platformers. I know Blue Fire is going to be the first one. So that's exciting and I can't wait for that. Um, but next up, um, back into fighting franchises. I would like to see the Injustice franchise come to Stadia. Um, I just like um, kicking the asses of DC characters with other DC characters. So, um, definitely would love to see Injustice come to Stadia. Um, and then speaking of DC, um, I would lo also love to see Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad kill the Justice League come to Stadia. Um, both of those games have not come out yet, um, but it would be nice if um, Stadia was included in the launch platforms for the game and if it were to release day and date alongside um, other platforms. That would be dope. Um, and then next ones are titles that I've just liked personally. Um, and those are uh, Dust and Elysian Tale. Um, it's an indie game that was made by one guy named Dean Dodrell. Or is it Dodrell? I don't know. I apologize, Dean, if I'm mispronouncing your name. But um, I would love to see Dust and Elysian Tale come to Stadia. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and I would just love to uh, play it once again on Stadia um, and you know it's um, and it's a game that I don't imagine would take much to port to Stadia especially since um, there's a Linux version that exists already on Steam so um, I hope that happens um, and then um, last but not least, we have both Skullgirls and Indivisible. Indivisible is on Amazon Luna, so I would love to see that on Stadia. Um, but also, Skullgirls is a great um, indie fighting game um, where you're playing as a lot of... Um, um, a lot of these uh, girls who are trying, <laughs> who are trying to, um, or who are trying to, um, like, or well, yeah, basically, you're just you're playing as as a lot of cool looking women, and who doesn't like that? I mean, I mean, I'm definitely not opposed to that. And I bought that game on Steam so long ago, but I would love to play it on Stadia. Um, and uh, in Skullgirl's case, I believe there is a Linux version that exists. So it wouldn't really take all that much to uh, port it over to Stadia, um, especially... Um, since Stadia has proven that it can handle fighting games like Mortal Kombat and Samurai Showdown. 
Um, I would love to see Skullgirls on Stadia. Um, I think that would be awesome. I would definitely double dip if it did come to Stadia, but that's it. Um, so let me know what you think of any of the, or what you think of my wish list for Stadia. Um, do you have some things that you wish would come to the platform, whether it's a feature or a game? Um, do let me know on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. But yeah, that's going to do it for this topic and this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Cells and Circuits podcast, the place for tunes, tech, and where they intersect. Let me know what you think of any of the topics discussed on social media or on Discord via the flow page link in the show notes. If you like this content, share it on social media and give it a review to help more people find it. If you want to see even more content just like this, consider supporting Cells and Circuits on Coffee or visiting the Cells and Circuits shop. The Cells and Circuits podcast was written, produced, and edited by me, Chibeze Anacor. Our intro, outro, and transition music was made by Tiffy3. That'll do it for this episode. So until next time, I'm Chibeze, signing off.